This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm your host, Andy, and each week we'll throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on my home state, Colorado. Oh man, let's investigate. Ah, yeah. So this is the story of a man named David Chase, who was a local cabinet maker in Evergreen, Colorado. Oh, man. What happened to David? Well, David and his wife, Judy, had lived in Evergreen for about 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, They did not have any children of their own. Okay. But they were planning on adopting the foster kids who were living with them. Aw. Yeah. So that was until June 6th, 1995, when David was scheduled to work with a local handyman named Matt Orohosk. I think that's how you say that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just call him Matt from now on. Mm -hmm. Um, They needed to finish a roofing job, and then they needed to go and clear away the brush from the local Elks Club, which Evergreen is in the mountains trees everywhere there's gonna be brush everywhere absolutely i'm sure this is like something they had to do regularly right i mean what do you know is actually part of forest and what is not (laughs) truly if you if you pick it up and it and it moves freely it's not rooted in the ground there you go that's what you need to throw away (laughs) just get rid of it that's just kindling at that point um so at around noon they finished up their job and they decided uh, to go to lunch, and then they stopped at the bank where David cashed a check for $1,800. Okay. Afterwards, the two decided to go to a local bar. Well, I mean, I'm finished for the day, I guess. I'm going to go to the yeah, bar. absolutely. I have been working out in the sun all day. Right. I've been on, on roofs. Uh, yeah. Clearing the road of, like, all this, like, rubbish. Corona sounds a an actual corona it's <laughs> like yeah okay beer sounds amazing after a hot day so cool so refreshing Crisp. just like yeah like and we live in colorado so like we know like when it gets like warm outside june it's pretty warm in the mountains it's like like 15 to 20 degrees cooler mm-hmm. than it is in the city it's still warm it's still warm sun hot it's gonna be 91 this weekend hot's too much <laughs> shut it down um so <clears throat> they were at the local bar supposedly all day okay and his wife judy was concerned when david did not come home that night i mean you go at noon and you're all night raging raging which also like that to me automatic red flag like i it would be interesting to like has he done that before right because like i I've like after work go like have a couple drinks with like friends, but yeah. then like I go home pretty early. Right. It's after- not like I'm staying out until like two o'clock in the morning. I mean, maybe that eighteen hundred dollars was burning in his pocket and he just wanted to spend it on alcohol. Needed he needed to spend it on something. So Judy decided to go ahead and drive over to Matt's house. Because mm-hmm. Matt was the last person that she knew had, that had seen David. Mm-hmm. And Matt told her that he had left David at the bar while he was shooting pool. Okay. Which? I mean, in Evergreen, 
Not much to do. Not much to do. So, I mean, if you want to be outside of your house, I can see that what? you want to hang out at the bar. Yes, but then, like, your wife and the kids you want to adopt are at home. Sometimes you need a break. I guess. So she continues to like get worried because she hasn't heard from David. Um, Matt's saying that she, he was at the bar when uh-huh. he left. Um, later that morning, Judy claims that she actually got a call from Matt's girlfriend. Okay. And in Judy's own words, she said he had told her when she asked about David that David had said, oh, I'm going for a swim. I've got a raft. And I found that completely bewildering. My husband was a very experienced mountain climber and had studied hypothermia and knew full well the dangers of jumping into a snow-fed river. So the story was absolutely, completely impossible for me to believe. I mean, that's true. It's still very... The snow is melting in the beginning of June. Yeah. And it is very cold. And if you're an avid... Freezing. Yeah. And if you're an avid outdoorsman, mm-hmm. you know that. Yeah. Even the water that like trickles down to like Denver, I've like put my feet into like a stream before and I'm like, this water's fucking cold. Right. And I that's mean, like in August. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine like the water by Boulder too. That's where it's all coming oh, from. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Freezing. So it just so happened that the Bear Creek River actually ran directly behind the bar that David was last seen at. So here we are. Maybe it's like he's a little drunk and he's I mean, wanting to be adventurous or something. I'm like superwoman when I get drunk and think I can do anything. So <laughs> truly, uh, we all are. <laughs> so we're all superwoman when we're drunk. <laughs> um, so... It was at this point that Judy no longer believed anything that Matt was saying, and she decided it was time to call the police. Mm. Wasn't buying any of these stories. As she should. I mean, she's her husband is missing. and Yeah, absolutely. Sergeant Brian Scott of Jefferson County Sheriff's Department uh, questioned Matt, and he told the same story that he had told his girlfriend. He told them that David had been drinking the majority of the day, mm-hmm. and after they were finished at the bar, they went out into the parking lot, and unloaded the tree limbs from Matt's truck into Bear Creek. Which, is that normal? Is that littering or? Because it's just like, it's just like branches and stuff. Yeah, but you could create some sort of dam, like blockage. That's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem plausible to me that like you would just have a bunch of like tree branches and then you're just like throwing them in the creek. If somebody knows, like, how rivers and stuff work, like, let us know. But it just doesn't seem good to me. I mean, unless they were, like, small twigs, but... Even then, though. Because they're going to collect somewhere. They're going to get stuck somewhere at some point. You would think water is very forceful. Powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, as they finished unloading, uh, Matt told us that... Or told us... told him that david jumped into the river and said pick me up in morrison which also mind you geography (laughs) evergreen is pretty far up morrison pretty far down morrison's like on the edge of the mountains right it's it's probably like a good at least 15 miles right 10 to 15 it has to be that's far right that's really fucking far to ride on a 
on a raft in a creek. Right. Well, and he's saying, so like what was interesting to me was that Matt said that David jumped into the river and said, pick me up in Morrison. Mm -hmm. Now there was no mention of a raft. Oh, then. But so to me, it's like, did he jump in and he was like floating down the river? But didn't he tell his girlfriend? The girlfriend told Judy that he had a raft and he was going to go check it out. But he told the police that he jumped into the river and said, pick me up in Morrison. Handy dandy Google says it's 11 miles. Hey, you were close. Yeah. Get you geography major. Mm-hmm. Not even a major. <laughs> didn't didn't major in geography at all. Not at all. <laughs> so unfortunately, no new information really came uh, uh came forward for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Six weeks after they inter- interrogated Matt, David's body was found in the three miles downstream from where he was last seen uh in the Bear Creek River. Which corroborates the story of him yeah. going into the creek. If he was upstream, we have questions. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Um, his autopsy supported Matt's story. The coroner ruled that the cause of death was consistent with drowning. Mm-hmm. However, the coroner's findings made uh, his wife, Judy, very suspicious. How so? So, for instance, Matt claimed that they had been drinking all day. Mm-hmm. The autopsy didn't show that David was drunk at the time of death. And if you'd been drinking since noon. Right. Um, you, your blood alcohol level would be very high. Yeah, even if you were just drinking beer, it would be it would be elevated. One beer puts you at 0.04, I think. All right. Stats and figures <laughs> over here. Blood alcohol expert. <laughs> Done my research. <laughs> So. No, but I think you can only, I mean, depending on your height, height and weight. Yeah. It, it, it's about like, you can only have two beers before you're over the legal limit. Okay. Um, depending on how long it is after you drink, but. Fair. Okay. If you're drinking all day, it should be very. Elevated. High. Yeah. yeah. So Sergeant Scott also said that David's neck was broken mm-hmm. and there were unusual cuts on both of his legs. But going down a river, like I'm not. I mean, you're probably going to scratch yourself on rocks Mm -hmm. and all that. It gets weirder. Oh, God. Okay. David's clothes were ripped from his body. Okay. There was partial clothing around his legs from his pants, and his shoes and socks were fully intact, even though the rest of the clothing was missing. So, like, his shirt had been, like, ripped off. He wasn't wearing a shirt. He His pants were, like, cut off of his legs. I mean, could a could a branch or a rock? So, this is where our 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 girl Judy comes in. Oh, Judy! Because Judy suspected foul play as soon as she heard this, and that's because there was no, in her in her own words, this is um, there was no way David's blue jeans would just come off in the water, mm-hmm. no matter how long he'd been in that water, because he always tucked his jeans into his work boots. And the only way to get those jeans off would be to cut them off because his socks and his shoes were still on. That's that is weird. So that's where it gets a little little sus, right? Right, right. Yeah. So police decided that it was time to go ahead and question Matt again. (laughs) As they should. Absolutely. This is about six weeks later. Mm -hmm. So this time he changed two very important details in his story. That's the problem, folks. (laughs) Right. He now claims that he and David drove down the street to get rid of the brush in his truck 
and that David did not jump into the river, he fell into it. If you saw him fall into a, a creek or a river, do you just say bye? Bye. Bye. Have fun. Hope you get home safe. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And that brought up the question that if it really was an accident, why wouldn't he go to the fire station that was literally like 15 feet down the road? Yeah, that's that's <clears throat> not real life. I mean, if you cared about somebody, even if you don't care about somebody. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It was, the firehouse was 50 yards away from where he cl- he now claimed that they were disposing of this brush close enough to where you probably could easily get in your truck and, and drive over there in like a few <laughs> seconds. Or you could just run. Well, you could run there. Yeah. You could run there. Yeah. So case went cold again for another few months Mm -hmm. three months later no further information came out until october 25th 1995 and now this is where things get a little weird it wasn't already weirder okay (laughs) philip harris or phil harris is a private investigator and he was asleep in his easy chair on the night of october 25th while sleeping harris heard what he described as a disembodied voice saying, I'm David Chase. I was murdered. I want you to investigate my murder. Go buy the Sunday paper. That, okay. Was he a psychic? No, he was just a, he was just a dude. He was just like your run-of-the-mill private investigator. Huh. (laughs) And he was chosen. He was chosen by David to solve his murder. Mm -hmm. And Harris continued receiving communication from David like on a regular basis. It wasn't just like a one time thing. Like it happened multiple times. How would you feel if all of a sudden you're sleeping in your easy chair? Truly. Lazy boy chair, whatever it is. And then you start hearing voices. Right. No, thank you. No. Not for me. None for me. Thank you so much. So did he go and get the paper? So he did. And I think they had ran a story just about how ongoing case and Mm -hmm. like all this other stuff. So with his communication to David included a detailed story of what had happened to him on the day he was murdered. And these are supposedly the exact words that Phil heard David tell him in one of these communication Mm -hmm. sessions. Okay. These little seance moments that he was having. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) Before I deposited the check for $1,800, he talked me into cashing it and keeping the money in my pocket under the guise of possibly buying a decent truck from him. I had second thoughts about buying a truck from Matt, and I told him that as we were leaving the bar. Matt was furious with me at the time, but I didn't realize it. As soon as we got back to this truck, he started to tell me that I had promised him the money and therefore it was his. Oh, goodness. Matt shoved me in the chest. I shoved him back and he hit me in the face. I immediately hit him back, and all of a sudden, he started bleeding very hard from the nose. This made him extremely mad, and he flew into me. I went down very near the edge of the water. In fact, we were right up against the small retaining wall fighting on the ground. We rolled around and tried to punch each other, and I feel Matt got in a couple of good punches. Uh I only remember him hitting me in the back of the neck with a hard object. I don't know what he hit me with, but it broke my neck. Okay. That's weird. Yeah. That is so weird. So weird. It explains why we decided to just cash the check mm-hmm. instead of just deposit it into it. And mind you, Phil didn't know anything about this case 
But wasn't that some of that information in the paper? I doubt like all of that, like the like what he was doing, like the full story of what he did that day, I doubt was was published in the newspaper. Right. Maybe. Yeah. And I I doubt that they would even say, I mean, at that point, they don't really have the only suspect is Matt, Mm -hmm. but they don't have enough evidence, I think, to name him as a a suspect. But my question also, as you were reading that, if. David got in good punches on Matt. Mm-hmm. If the police went and saw Matt the next day or two days later, mm-hmm. wouldn't he have some bruises if he was bleeding profusely, like it says? Well, like if he, because I'm thinking he probably punched him in the nose, probably not hard enough to break it. I mean, mind you, they were drinking. True. Too. So I, and blood is thinner when you drink. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it would not take a lot for you, like me personally, living in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I get bloody noses if I like sneeze too hard. So like, true. <laughs> like, and it's literally happened before where like my nose will start bleeding. Like mm-hmm. I, it's very easy to do. Mm-hmm. And so also, if you think about it, if you're punching somebody, usually you kind of go for like the kidney shots because it hurts. Right. I mean, I'm, I doubt they're like, I do the kidney shot. <laughs> I doubt they're like, lift up your shirt when they're investigating somebody. Like you're not going to see bruises or anything. True. Unless it was like on the neck or the face. Yeah. So Bill said that David's voice told him the cuts on his legs came from a knife belonging to an accomplice. Okay accomplice yeah the knife that was used to cut my clothing off belonged to the other person you were right phil about the cuts on my legs this is where matt cut my clothes off rather than just take my boots off and i don't know why he would take his clothes off so i think it was probably to hide the fact because like hide like the blood that was on his clothes yeah probably. and especially if he probably like some of his blood probably got on like the shirt or his Mm -hmm. jeans or whatever because they were rolling around on the ground Mm -hmm. so just just destroying evidence i I would think yeah you're probably right harris decided it was time to go ahead and meet with david's widow judy mm-hmm. and explain to her that he believed he had been chosen to solve david's case chosen. and that he believed that he was murdered mm-hmm. now naturally judy <laughs> being the sound-minded woman that she is mm-hmm. was skeptical af i mean i would be too like who the fuck is this person just coming to my door saying especially if it's a pi like you just want money out of me absolutely it wasn't until harris started revealing things to her that only david would know Mm -hmm. and she was convinced harris was able to provide details of their lives together and even knew the specific pet names that david would call judy when they were alone Hmm. then this included uh honey bunny and shuggies shuggies honey bunny i feel like you could really grasp if you were grasping at straws you could pull honey bunny out of the air but shuggies i don't know about shuggies no that's that's very unique absolutely phil and judy decided to then strike a deal and for the fee of one dollar bill would investigate the case until he solved it now that i'm assuming is because i'm i don't think private investigators can legally work on a case Unless they're paid. Unless they're paid to to do it. If they're actually hired, they can have access to, like, case files and stuff. I think so, maybe. But, I mean, it's also, like, a lawyer. If you're putting them on retainer. Fair. Like, yeah they are not allowed to provide any information because they're representing you. Mm-hmm. And so it might be that too, but I, Fair. I don't know the legalities of being a PI. True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, and why would we? <laughs> um, so on June 7th, 1996, exactly a year and a day after David's death, uh, Phil took Judy to a local reservoir. Mm-hmm. From his conversations with David, he pointed out the area where he believed the murder weapon was dumped. David told 
uh, Phil that they had tied his clothes around the murder weapon and he told the accomplice to throw them out in the middle of the river as far as he could throw them. I'm not sure whether it was a hammer, crowbar, or even just like a gardening tool. So did they ever go searching for it? You know? It didn't say. doesn't say because unfortunately a week after this uh, meeting with Judy, Phil died of a massive heart attack. Oh no. Which left Judy alone to carry on the investigation herself. Oh, Phil. I know. Obviously, Sergeant Scott has gone on record saying that more evidence is needed before an arrest can be made. <laughs> and the source of the information that that was brought forth is highly questionable. Yeah. Um, obviously. I mean, yeah. They usually, I mean, a lot of police departments do for kind of these higher profile things. They do bring in psychics and stuff, but sometimes they just are more trouble than they're worth. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that fake being a psychic. And exactly. Just want the money and or, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's no scientific proof to prove their quote unquote ability. Right. There's no way. I mean, you could literally just make things up. Right. And so it really <laughs> is. They can't go arrest somebody because of somebody's word. But if the psychic could point them in the right direction of the murder weapon or mm -hmm. some evidence then they can have some sort of backup of yeah. why they're doing what they're doing and yep. why they're arresting somebody yeah but <sighs> and according to uh phil harris before he died the voice of david spirit told him that there was in fact a witness to this murder and obviously if that's true the police are hoping that the person will come forward um and the case remains unsolved to this day you know the problem is is like evergreen is so small if there really was a witness they probably knew each other probably and why wouldn't you come in unless yeah you're scared of the killer yeah or he apparently had a fresh 1800 dollars on him so he could have just paid somebody off. yeah that's what i was gonna say too they he either got paid off or he's just scared of the killer or yeah well that's that's it too right is like it could have just been like a drunk guy mm -hmm. at the bar who was just outside smoking and he was like here's 500 bucks don't say anything you're right and then you forget about it because you were drunk yeah right unfortunately david's murder is still unsolved sad day even though we know who did it <laughs> just kidding uh all speculation but yes i i definitely think that all signs point to matt matt but obviously there's not enough evidence to formally charge him i wouldn't be surprised if matt's girlfriend was involved well yeah i mean of course she had to have known something mm -hmm. first of One all thing. you're coming home probably with a bloody nose yeah you're coming home with an extra eighteen hundred dollars and still your truck because you can't truly you, you didn't sell your truck you didn't sell your truck so where did that money come from it can't yeah. be from the five hours you which, worked that morning which also like cash is easier to hide than right, but bank statements, but still, you would think that he just had a wad of cash on him. Yeah, that you'd be like, "Where'd that come from?" Right, he I'd be more worried. He ain't balling like that. <laughs> I'd be more worried about the blood and like if they were really scrapping, his shirt might have been ripped or anything. Truly, truly. so yeah. And she reached out to Judy mm -hmm. herself. I think she might have been the accomplice. Mm -hmm. All speculation. All speculation. 100%. It's what I do best. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com and we will talk to you next week. 
This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions.